Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Oh, hi. If you like this show, will you leave a review for it wherever you listen to podcasts? You don't even have to write anything. Just some stars will do. It's one of the most effective ways to spread the word about us and one of the most meaningful ways to show your support for what we do. We are so grateful. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thing or two hq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will give you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two hq or join our Geneva and chat with us there. It is honestly a delight. It's a delight. Some of the things we're talking about on this episode, in fact, have come up in the Geneva quite regularly. This feels kind of like our version of Watch What Happens Live, where <laughs> it's like the less show Andy has Cohen, happened. Less Bethany Frankel, yeah. but a lot more of us. Yeah. And no guest bartenders. But we take, <laughs> we, we record the show, we put the show out in the world, and then we hear back from people. And then so we publish another show reacting to what the internet hath wrought in the wake of our show. Exactly. An updates episode. Should we say that our induction stove coverage as of late is what mm-hmm. sparked the entire induction stove news cycle? Do you think? It didn't hurt. You it know? came out the morning that the induction stove news cycle really like ratcheted up. We've never had good timing because we record our podcast episodes like a week or two weeks in advance. And so often we fully miss the cycle completely by the time our <laughs> podcasts are published. We fucking nailed it. Yeah, I think the timeline of this, I'd like to say our podcast came out and then everything else followed. What it was the same day? It was the, it was same, the same day. day. So okay, here's what happened. We released a podcast episode talking about induction stoves, which we thought was a niche topic. Turns out by Well, and it was not. I just wanted to give us some credit here. You're always give, not giving yourself enough credit for how long you've been banging this drum. This was at least the second, if not the third time we've discussed induction stoves. I honestly kind of think it might have been the third time. And we definitely talked about it years ago and how, you know, the whole induction stove. Well, by now, everybody listening probably knows. Yeah, yeah, we'll spare them. But now what we thought was a niche topic really has become deeply mainstream. Well, continues to be just a niche distraction. You know, it's the type of thing that the news cycle loves. So here's what happened. After we release this induction stove episode, first we get a delightful email from a friend of the podcast, Oakley, who wanted to turn us on to the fact that there's a lot of money in the Inflation Reduction Act for switching from gas to electric, which is 
optional, an optional thing a person could do. You could choose yeah. up to $840 rebate on the new induction stove and $500 if you're switching from gas or propane and tax credits of $4,000 to upgrade your electrical box and $2,500 to upgrade the wiring. So much money, three exclamation points. <laughs> I just really like how Oakley gave us like all the stats, all, all the facts the and things. figures. He also gave yeah. us a link to an article from the Public Interest Research Group about the Inflation Reduction mm -hmm. Act. So already we're like, wow, there's so much yeah. happening in the space. Mm -hmm. And then hours later, a Bloomberg article with the headline, U.S. Safety Agency to Consider Ban on Gas Stoves Amid Health Fears, sparked everything that followed thereafter. The key quote in this article is, this is a hidden hazard. Any option is on the table. Products that can't be made safe can be banned. And this is from Richard Trumpka Jr. It's I understand. <laughs> I understand the pause people might make there. Yeah. A U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission agency commissioner. So the idea of a ban was mm -hmm. like planted in yeah. this report that, mm -hmm. you know, had came out. So then the coverage was everywhere. And then this has since escalated because this guy, Michael Thomas, did a series of pieces for his newsletter distilled. One of them was I measured the pollution from my gas stove and it was bad. And he talks about how he was a skeptic in the beginning, but then, you know, it really escalated when he got the real facts and figures. And then, you know, because we live in America, this became, as you said, they're coming for our gas stoves. They're coming for our gas stoves. We got so much good internet content out of it. I can't even be that upset about it. My favorite meme that I saw, I'm sure I shared it with you, was <laughs> Girl boss gatekeep gas stoves. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. I think I saw that on Helen Rosner's Instagram. First. I think it was Nolita Dirtbag, maybe. When yeah, I yeah, saw it. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, was... yeah, 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 yeah. And then what felt like the perfect sort of culmination of this moment was this Allison Roman thread on Twitter. I have an induction stove by choice, AMA. There were incredible responses to this, some of which I don't know if they're serious or not. And mm -hmm. so I, it, it's like very hard for me to read tone into some of mm -hmm. these responses. Mm -hmm. How do you char peppers? How do you make s'mores? How do you warm tortillas? How do you light your cigarettes when you can't find a lighter? How do you make s'mores? You just have to do it in the microwave? You don't make s'mores at home. S'mores are not an at-home activity. Mm. God. I just... <laughs> How do you make s'mores on wow. your... Wow. Are you making s'mores on your stove? No. I mean, I have. I absolutely have. Yeah. My brother and I used to do it as like an after school snack. Right. Mm, it's deprive like Cam of this experience. when he's, You take Cam to a campfire yeah, and that's how okay. you're supposed to have a s'more. You're not supposed to have them Listen, over your gas stove. I'm not I'm not saying I'm not going to get an induction stove just because of the s'mores. Basically, Allison Roman's answers to this, which I deeply appreciated with mm -hmm. most of these was I use a pan mm -hmm. or I don't, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. I think was her answer for s'mores. And it's not a great yeah. sacrifice that I'm yeah. making in my life to not do this. And I warm tortillas in a pan. It is possible. One was, will it make my man parts fall off? And she responded, yeah, sadly, your dick falls off and they take away your guns, even if you don't own one immediately. I mean, that felt like the, the New Yorker humor version of this <laughs> whole thing. I like that Allison Roman was waiting in the wings, ready to be an induction influencer. Absolutely. I would just like to say we would also like to throw our hats in the ring. I think there's space in the market for all of us yeah. because gas and propane are spending a ton of money on influencers. As everywhere I looked, I was learning about propane influencers. Propane influencers was a time story immediately thereafter. Everywhere I looked. The other person I want to throw in the ring as an induction influencer is Ellen Van Dusen, who posted her induction stove on Instagram. I think it's newish. Her house is sick, as we've discussed before. And it's also- With and without Ellen, we've talked about how sick her house is. <laughs> this is also probably the third or fourth time we've talked about <laughs> Ellen Van Dusen's home. It 
fit with her home so perfectly because everything in that home is super geometric and sleek and colorful. And then she's just got this like slick black box of a surface. It made me realize we've been forgetting to talk about how aesthetically pleasing an induction stove is. You're Um, right. Not just V European, V slick. Exactly. V slick. And Within her specific aesthetic, it works so well. And if you're leaning into cottage core, you're going to have to figure out a way around this like super futureness of this all. But if your aesthetic's Kim K, like if your home oh, aesthetic's Kim totally. K, this works with that too. You That's, know? Yes. Yeah. It, it is so minimalist. Anything else no, I you want to say about this? Congrats to us for being on the forefront of this movement. One of the other responses to Allison Roman that I thought was perfect was, for those of us who want to switch to induction but can't because of the wiring in our pre-war buildings, how would you suggest we grieve? <laughs> Thank you so much to ZocDoc for sponsoring today's episode. You know, an unofficial resolution for me last year was to get my doctor's appointments routine back in order and just to see all the doctors I'd been putting off seeing. And I did it. You've done a really good job. I've been really impressed. I saw the dentist for the first time since before the pandemic. I know. (laughs) And magically had no cavities. Just have to take a moment to brag about that. I booked everything on ZocDoc because that really like lowers the intimidation factor for me. And I got to say, it feels really good feeling like I'm back on top of that stuff. It is well worth the sense of reassurance that I have having done all the checkups. So I highly recommend it to anybody who is maybe wanting to give themselves an achievable goal for 2023. An achievable goal. Q1. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. You, I don't even think you have to do it all in Q1. There's no, a lot no, of no, doctors no, no. We can to just see. keep going. We can just yeah. keep going. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient reviewed, take your insurance, are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. No more Dr. Roulette or scouring the internet for questionable reviews. With ZocDoc, you have a trusted guide to connect you and your favorite doctor you haven't even met yet. Millions of people use ZocDoc's free app to find and book a doctor in their neighborhood who is patient-reviewed and fits their needs and schedule just right. Go to ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash a thing or two. ZocDoc.com slash a thing or two. Thank you to Bull and Branch for sponsoring today's episode. This is my favorite sleeping season right now. Interesting. Yeah, it's just so in my house, we turn the heat off at night because I love like sleeping in a cold room. Me too. Oh, me um, too. And getting under like big covers and having yeah. crisp, crisp, crisp sheets, which are like, like yes. exactly what the Bull and Branch sheets are just crisp, mm-hmm. crisp, crisp. And like just getting like snuggled in all the way up to my neck. Um, yes. There's just like yes. something so wonderful about it. Mm-hmm. And I am very blessed to live in a home where I can control the heat. Mm -hmm. But then like when I wake up in the morning, I go turn the heat back on and crawl Mm -hmm. into bed and do my dumb board games on my phone. And then when when I get out of bed, it's perfectly warm. It's just, this is the dream. This is the dream. I have many questions. I'm going to save some of them. Perfect. The signature hem sheets from Bowl and Branch are a bestseller for a reason. Bowl and Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth. Their sheets are made from slow-grown organic cotton for a superior softness and a better night's sleep. 
They feel buttery to the touch and are super breathable, so they're perfect for both cooler and warmer months. They are loved by millions of sleepers, including three U.S. presidents, but they did not tell us which, so we will leave it to your imagination to figure out which U.S. presidents have great taste in sheets. They have 10,000 rave reviews. Bowl and Branch signature sheets come in 10 versatile colors in all sizes, from twin up to California king. The sheets are designed to feel incredible for all sleepers and are made without toxins free from pesticides, formaldehyde, and other harsh chemicals. Best of all, Bowl and Branch gives you a 30-night risk-free guarantee with free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders. Make the most of bedtime with Bowl and Branch sheets. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code a thing or two at bowlandbranch.com. That's bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code a thing or two. A Dear Media original podcast. What does an American look like? If you tell the story of America, whose story would it be? I'm Tracy Ellis Ross, and I want to share with you the America that I know. Inspired by the words of Langston Hughes, I Am America is a collection of untold stories that make up the complex and beautiful promise of our country. I'm America premieres on January 31st. Listen wherever you get your favorite Dear Media podcasts. You had a real moment of just feeling like very seen in some responses. Yeah. When I talked about slippery rib syndrome, I got really satisfying responses from people who had the exact same experience you I did. You always call it slippery rib syndrome and it's slipping <laughs> rib syndrome and I like slippery better and I, I think it's good. I think it's strong. I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting you change. You know, I, I just think it's, yeah. I got a pap smear this morning and I <laughs> told my gynecologist about it because she had been one of the people who had been like, I don't know what this is. Shout out Dr. Pena. I fucking love her. She's also been discussed. on this podcast She's a before. star of okay. this podcast. But she was so excited to learn about it. And when I was telling her about it, I had to be very careful to be like, it is slipping rib syndrome. She told me another term for it is floating rib syndrome when she looked it up in her system. That's too much like floating shelf for me. You know what I mean? (laughs) Of all the things that float, I don't know. Ribs and shelves. I get what you're saying. (laughs) It's the vitso of of health issues. So, no, I just, a number of people basically wrote to me and were like, to a T, I had your experience uh-huh, of uh-huh. getting pregnant, then having this weird dysfunction in my rib area and talking to seven different doctors, all of whom looked at me like I was nuts. And it, again, validated for me that I don't actually need a solution for this, what is ultimately a kind of annoying thing in my life. I just need to know that I'm not alone. And I think that is sort of what the other people who were in my DMs were saying is someone wrote and said, what was crazy was listening to you describe what I too deal with and have dealt with since giving birth because I've never known anyone who could relate. Honestly, after I heard your show segment today, I rewound it and played it for my husband with tears in my eyes. He understood immediately because I've brought this up so much. And I was like, yes, that that was my experience of watching a TikTok was running to my husband and being like, but see, see, TikTok (laughs) says, yeah, anecdotally, a common thread seemed to be women who carried their babies high and also had insufferable acid reflux during pregnancy because it's, you know, they're smushing everything. Yeah. And they're like basically dislodging a rib. Essentially, that's my scientific understanding of it. The same person who wrote me that DM was like, I have also been on the fence about having a second kid. And I will say that this has this experience has contributed to me not wanting to because it is a reminder that we are so bad at healthcare when it comes to pregnant and postpartum women yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and women in general, obviously, but especially around pregnancy. And like, who knows what thing might come up that they'll be like, who, 
who could say? Well, and it's just so clear, especially given this, like, even with this incredibly small sample size, this is something that happens yeah. in some percentages yeah, 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 of pregnancies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, you're not the only one. And it's totally under discussed, under researched. Yeah. What did your gyno guru say? She was so excited to learn about it. She was like, see, you learn something new on the job every day. I'm going to. This is a good this. doctor. She's an incredible doctor. She was so excited to learn about slipping rib syndrome and, you know. Now, so perhaps the next person who goes and has the symptom, she'll know what she'll, it is. She can tell them. Yeah. She can look into it. Something that we talked about a, like a while mm. ago, but keep coming back to and I keep thinking about is mm. living with longing. Mm. And you God have bless, a new application. Yeah. God bless my friend Poppy who shared this with me and then has be, proved useful yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And I started using it with Cam as a way of explaining to him why he can't have something, <laughs> which... Is actually it's a specific application, but I like it. Yeah, it's really useful for me as a parent. And I don't know if it's useful for him. But for me, it's it helps me stick to my guns because it does remind me that there's a reason why I'm saying no to him or that there's a good reason. Well, slash that it'll serve him longer term. Yes. yes. You know what I mean? Like the mm -hmm. teaching this idea that you don't get everything you want and that that's good. Yes, exactly. Uh, is a life skill that he should have. Which I think is hard for me at times because I do want to give him everything he wants. I that is my that instinct. Is, I think that is the parental instinct. It certainly wasn't with mine. I feel like I was told <laughs> no left, right, and center, and no. that I'm overcompensating sometimes. No, but I think the instinct is different than the practice. True. Yeah. So I don't know if it's helped him at all. It's definitely helped me, but it has definitely lodged in his brain because the other day I was telling him he couldn't have something, but I didn't even use the term live with longing. But he goes to me why do we have to live with longing? Oh, that little parrot. Yeah. And I think he was like, oh, here, here it we comes, go. Here it comes. So he's like, I'm going to get ahead of this. Why do we have to live with longing? And so I launched into this whole explanation where, you know, if we got everything we wanted, we just find more things to want. And not getting everything we want makes us more grateful for the things we do have. And he just immediately pipes up and he's like, not me. Doesn't make me more grateful. I'm not grateful. And I go, what is it you're longing for? And he thought so long and he was just really quiet for a while. And he just goes, a cookie. Okay. And it's like, okay, I will add that to the list of things you want. Noted. Noted. Oh, yeah. my God. I really like the, if we got everything we'd want, we would just find more things to want mm -hmm. and drilling this into him. And it really comes back, Claire, to my husband's like mantra mm -hmm. of practicing contentment. Yes. And just being happy where mm -hmm. you are and finding the things to love about that, yes. that place, that yes. like, yeah. And even the disappointments that are part of that experience. Another thing that we heard back from a lot of people on was the silicone smell issue. What are you doing about silicone smell in your life right now? Well, this was an issue specifically with stasher bags, yeah. <laughs> but applies more broadly. I'm just going to say for now, I've just stopped using stasher bags, uh -huh, but uh -huh. I'm going to take your genius advice and start using unscented dish detergent. Because why are we using scented dish I detergent? I don't think to begin it needs with? to smell. Yeah. So I'm going to start using unscented dish detergent when we run out of what we're using. And that's what I'm going to do. One of the messages we got was from my friend Christine, who's Lebanese. She lived in Beirut for a long time. And she sent a picture of her kitchen sink where she's got all the standard stuff, you know, the dish detergent, the soap, the scrubber, and a bottle of white vinegar. And she said, I have to keep this bottle of white vinegar at my sink because there is this smell pretty much like exclusively Arabic and Persian people can smell and and have a term for it called zanka. I'm probably saying it wrong. Zenka. 
It is a semi-rotten smell that comes from raw eggs and chickens. Only Arabs and Persians know it and can identify it. And there's not really a word for it in English because most Westerners can't smell it. She pointed us to this delightful Twitter thread from the writer Lena Munzer, where she surfaces this Reddit post from a person. She feels like she's going nuts because her husband is always complaining about a smell on their dishes that she can't smell. And Lena is like, I knew her husband was Arabic before I even reached the end of this post because I knew exactly she was talking about Zenka. And then all these people in the comments are chiming in and being like, yes, this is a thing. And my white partner, my white friends, whatever, <laughs> can't smell this thing. Anyway, whole new whole new category of secret smells that also you have to deal with with vinegar. And she said it has to be cold water to get the smell out. Cold oh, water and cold vinegar. cold water mm-hmm. and vinegar. Yeah, she followed Not up. Not hot. Yeah. Has to be cold. It's the only way to get it out. Fascinating because my instinct would be if we're going to pick one temperature, yeah. it's hot. No, she said it's got to be cold water. When you were telling me about this, mm-hmm. I was asking you, does this at all relate to the like kind of like wet dog cat foodie smell that sometimes dishes have when they come out of a dishwasher? Like, and at like a restaurant or something, sometimes you can just smell it on like glassware specifically. I think you might have the gene because this is a lot of people talk about it on glassware at restaurants. And in the Twitter thread, a lot of people are being like, it's so annoying when my husband and I go to restaurants, he will ask for another glass or he just won't drink out of the glass because he can smell the smell on the glasses. Yeah, I can smell this. I can smell the I think you might have this gene. You, I wonder if it's related to the cilantro gene, which you also have. Oh my gosh. Because like tastes like soap to you. Oh, disgusting. Wow. You know what I can do now though? Uh-huh. Speaking of vinegar, yeah. when cilantro has been sitting in vinegar and oil, I can uh-huh. take it now. Interesting. I just can't take the raw. raw cilantro. Yeah. When it's been yeah, muted yeah. in some way. So- I looked into dishwasher odor, and I'm not sure that this is the same thing. I think Mm -hmm. you might be right. But Maytag, Maytag, the appliance company on their site, says the most common cause of dishwasher odor is a dirty filter and that food particles get trapped in the filter and blah, 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 which basically comes back to you're supposed to clean the dishwasher the same way we're supposed to clean the washing washing machine. I will Uh, never. Rude. Absolutely rude. I will not be doing it. I do not like this advice. I hate it. I just feel like... You know, I floss most days at this point in my life. I'm not going to do other things like that that I'm supposed to do. If we're cleaning the food between our teeth, we need to clean from the dishwasher. No. <laughs> That's right. Speaking yes. of silicone. I, yes. Do you love how we oh, people are probably so sick of us trying to find segues between our various topics <laughs> on these types of episodes? They're like, bitches, like, just we know it's a grab bag. Just yeah. move on. But I'm going to make the connection. Yeah, Speaking of silicone. Which is that all of this comes back often to this thing of trying to find plastic or plastic adjacent stuff from kids that are acceptable in some way or another that are environmentally safe that can go in the microwave that can go in the dishwasher which is how I end up with battle yeah which is how I often end up with silicone products at some point on the podcast years ago we were talking about melamine Mm, dishware mm, that's mm, chic mm, because mm. wanting chic dishware for kids and bamboo which so much of it is made out of cannot go in the microwave and melamine can go in the microwave melamine can go in the microwave although they won't Mm, it's murky waters. They won't tell you to do it. They just it's won't tell you not water. to do it. Yeah. yeah, it's dirty dishwater. I think it's fine. It's maybe not fine. I don't know. The point is, at the time, I had been like, I think the answer is this Heller Vignelli dishware, which is so classic and iconic, which my family had when we were kids, and that was our plastic dishware. And they had been reissuing it, mostly just in white, sometimes in yellow. Sometimes in yellow. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And it's, you know, a classic design piece designed in the 60s by Vignelli and then produced in the U.S. by Heller. And it was Heller's first big hit. Well, Heller was the company, the design company was recently acquired by John Edelman, who was the longtime CEO of DWR, who sort of brought DWR into what it is now. Uh He left DWR 
in part because he was like, I'm just, this is unsustainable. I want to be with my family. And he bought Heller. I like, wait, can we go back to that for a second? I was trying to not be tangential. But I, I would like you to be tangential because I'm interested in this. When he came in, he just made that company huge. Yes. And they were doing crazy business. And he was working insane hours. And he was like, I want to hang out with my family. I want to be the one who drives my daughter to college. I don't want to have this be like this job. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And when he acquired Heller, he was like, I don't have huge ambitions with it. This company does in a year what DWR does in a day. I don't have plans to make it DWR. Yes, basically. I'm not going to grow yeah. this thing. It's not a rocket ship. And he's going to grow it. And the original, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. the original owner of Heller had been at the helm for a long time. And he actually died last year. This also relates back to DWR because the way that Heller, whose first name I'm not remembering right now, became acquainted with John Edelman was that John Edelman's first day on the job at DWR, he walks in and they're getting hit with a lawsuit from Heller because they had ripped off some of his chairs. And, oh, dang. and Heller's so pissed. He's suing DWR. So John Edelman sits down and he takes a look and he's like, you're absolutely right. We need to pull all the chairs from all the stores. And they become friends. And they become legit friends. I love this. Isn't it really good? And then so John Edelman's like, I love this I company. I want to buy I it was from you. End up loving John Edelman by the end of the story so much. The and other want thing, to read a whole profile of him. I, he seems so compelling. We'll do a full book report on him at some point. Yeah. But he, the other thing I love about John Edelman is he has a work wife because he was co-CEO right. of DWR with I another John this. whose name yeah. I can't remember. He's bringing that John in as an advisor on Heller and he's bringing that John's son in as the director of operations on Heller. So like lifelong work wives, basically. I tried the other day, I was talking about someone who, a duo, oh, I, maybe it was the Daniels where I was talking to Thomas about the podcast mm-hmm. episode you shared, the Dust, Sex and Money podcast episode you shared with me on the Daniels, the directors mm-hmm. of Everything Everywhere All at Once, among other things. And I was like, you know, and they're work husbands. And he was like, you can just say work wives. It's better. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. We can just say work wives. Anyway, John Edelman's first order of business at Heller, because he is no dummy, was to reissue these this Vignelli dishware, which is stackable. It's in rainbow colors. MoMA Design Store has the exclusive on the rainbow. It's so good. And if you are in the market, honestly, not even just for kids dishware, anything. It's so yeah. chic. To bring this back to Ellen Van Dusen's kitchen, it would look right at home in there. Well, I also think it's a perfect sort of dishware if you're like, I... I am not going to invest in like my forever dishware yes. right now, but this can be my dishware that I keep that lives alongside yes. of that. And it becomes my outdoor dishware or whatever yes. after a time or can't like kids can yes. use it eventually. I don't know. It is just ideal outdoor dishware too. It's so chic, classic, iconic. It's in the MoMA collection, which is part of why this MoMA design store exclusive makes sense. And I also saw on the Instagram mm-hmm. post about this, one of the Instagram posts about this that MoMA design store posted team mm-hmm. like soap and can't very cool main base soap and candle company um so good. so good posted that they noticed that it was in the original heller packaging which is epic and it has this like half rainbow so when you put the boxes side by side it forms a full rainbow it's, it's really good quite good it's really good quite good yeah in less thrilling design news you texted me the other day something <sighs> truly upsetting kate's butter a thingies a thingies award-winning S- butter yes <laughs> you know that would that's a missed opportunity if they were gonna redesign their packaging. Smack Thingy, that yeah. Thingies award winner. Exactly. That's it. We do need a thingies like logo, like the Allure Best in yeah, Beauty. We um, need a seal. We need a seal. 
Kate's Butter has redesigned their logo. Thomas came home from the grocery store a couple Mm -hmm. weeks ago with this news and he was like, don't worry, I bought the old packaging. But when he went back the last time, they were out of the old packaging and so he had to buy the new. My heart is breaking. I can't believe how upsetting this is to me. So the original packaging, or at least the original, what we think of as the original Mm -hmm. packaging for Kate's Butter, has sort of the height of the like butter packaging, tall Mm -hmm. picture of baby Kate. Yes. In like railroad stripe overalls mm-hmm. and Braid a kerchief. Yeah. Like, yeah, like a whole thing. It's perfect. Yeah. It looks like it hasn't been updated in decades. Yes. It's exactly right. Scripty Kate's Butter writing. Well, unfortunately, they got a rebrand yeah. that looks extremely DTC. It's really upsetting to me. Like, it, it's like couldn't be more boring. And I think possibly even more upsetting than the packaging mm-hmm. is that the website got made over. Oh, and you know, we loved that website. It had a webmaster. It had a webmaster. It looked Wixian. God, you know, it, it just so was Wix. so strong. It was so Wix. It was so strong. And now the like the branding on the website, it just looks like it could be Great Jones. It It is truly Great Jonesian now. And this is the problem is that when people don't realize that their design is about to be ahead of the curve. This happens all the time and it's so upsetting. So upsetting. So that's basically what we've been talking about. There's this constant flattening of design. Yes. Everything, it's like all becomes so damn boring. It's like you get a new creative director, a marketing mm-hmm. director, whatever, and that person's like wants to put their stamp on it. So yeah. the first thing they do is make it look just like everything else. They just feel like they have to be cool. I don't know what it is, but it was like, Kate's, you really were distinct before. You were already cool without trying. You were so cool. Talk about, you know, being your authentic self. Yes. That was their authentic self. Lean it, chase the edge of cringe. Yes, they they were a perfect example of cringe in the best possible way. Exactly. There was a business of fashion op-ed that we really liked by John Wellen titled The Revolution Will Not Be Serifized. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Why every luxury brand's logo looks the same and it calls out St. Laurent, Balenciaga, Burberry, Balmain. There's an example, like there's Mm -hmm. a whole like image it's so depressing how similar they all look and how interesting they were before. Like the YSL logo, like picture it. Yeah, no, I, I know. And like, and that now it's just whatever. Whatever. And pretty soon everybody's going to be doing like super scripty, serif fonts again. And Kate's is going to be like, wait, we just switched over. Why are we going back now? Yep. Yeah, no, I know. And even Bodie, Maura Brannigan pointed this out. She she pointed out the St. Laurent Balenciaga Burberry Bullman and then was like, and now Bodie too who just launched their women's wear line. So maybe they felt like they needed to be more aligned with that. I don't know. It's I mean, boring. they'll all be fine. They're all doing great in their own ways. The Daniels, yeah, you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Newly, I mean, I, I loved everywhere, everything everywhere all at once, just like everybody did. And I was intrigued by them. But after listening to this Death, Sex, and Money podcast, I was like, I'm here for anything and Give everything. Me all of Give it. me all of them. Yeah. And Daniel Kwan, who's one half of them, who his compelling sort of arc on this particular podcast episode is talking about his childhood and and his undiagnosed ADHD. And he's just such a compelling character. And he got an Oscar, when the Oscar nominations came out and they were nominated, he had this wonderful Instagram post. He said, something that has really stuck with me this award season was how the AFI Awards luncheon began their event. They instructed everyone in the room, which included all of the other film and TV winners, to close their eyes and imagine ourselves as kids looking into the future and seeing ourselves now. It was incredibly surreal to be in a room with people like Steven Spielberg, Kate Blanchett, and Viola Davis all closing our eyes, imagining our child selves. I'm incredibly grateful for that moment because it's meant, and here's where I'm bringing this back full circle. Let's go. go. (laughs) 
It's meant I've been keeping my child self close these past few weeks. And this morning with the news of all the nomination announcements, it was hard not to imagine myself as a kid and how impossible this would have seemed to him. Then he goes on to describe, you know, who he was as a kid. But I was like, right, this is exactly what we were talking about with the shadow and the, why it's so important to bring your previous self around with you and these versions. And the cringe of, of that. Yeah, yeah. And the cringe of it. And I do, I have to say, I'm definitely having this moment where I'm a nearly 40 year old woman in 2023 being like, how novel this idea of exploring our <laughs> our youth and our past to come I and mean, touch is, with our. This is how people have midlife crises usually. Yes. They like, yeah, they chase <laughs> yes. their youth in a different way. Right. Yeah. And I realize, I'm sorry, I feel like those people who get pregnant and act like it's the first time anyone's ever been pregnant in their lives. <laughs> but I'm definitely like, wow, guys, thinking about our past as a way of understanding our present, exploring how our childhood shaped us this all feels really important right now i think um, it's a good reminder no matter what it even is if you've heard it before it even is. if you're not the first person to say it we were a little early with cringe because it would have been great if we'd recorded it closer to the time that congress had their hearing about Ticketmaster, and everybody decided that they were going to weave taylor swift quotes into their speeches if you want an example of bad cringe that is it it was can these people not just make laws can we not just do it the normal old fashioned way? I know political theater is a thing. OK, I know that's not a new invention, but the way that this has escalated, yeah. the way that this has like become just like D.C.'s worst community theater. Like, well, they're like C-SPAN is having a moment. Yeah. <laughs> and we've remembered that some people watch it and that we're on camera. Let's do this. It was so bad. It was really dumb. This reminds me. I, of a conversation I had with my dad recently. So he was talking about, oh, I can't even remember what on C-SPAN he was watching. Oh, it was the it was the Kevin McCarthy confirmation. Mm -hmm. uh, the that votes. Was, well, I mean, you know, talk about C-SPAN having a moment. That's what, this was their white lotus. <laughs> this is when they're like, we're back, baby. And, <laughs> and, and he was talking about how engaged he was with it and how exciting it was because of this and this and because they were getting behind the scenes with this and that and the other. And it reminded me distinctly of a conversation I had with him when I was in high school where he was like late to a family dinner at home because he had his fantasy football draft. Okay. And I was like, why do you do this? You're like an adult person. Why must you do this? This was in like 1999, okay? okay. And he was like, well, because it makes me care about games I wouldn't otherwise care about. And I was like, no, no. That's why the NFL does it, uh, not why you should do it. This is the same thing with so, C-SPAN. Right, so fantasy football is the Taylor Swift lyrics. Yeah, well, fantasy football is like just the C-SPAN. Mm, yeah. Okay. Okay. I it get makes it. me care about yeah. things I just like wouldn't otherwise care about. Right. And, and what we need to do is question why we don't care about it without the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do we need to care about it? No. Do we need to all engage with the Ticketmaster hearings no. in this way? No, we don't no. need to watch it. We definitely don't. And Well, the crazy thing is... Do we need to watch video coverage of well, it at all? Well, that's the thing is that people actually cared about this without them doing that. There are so many congressional hearings that just don't get attention that maybe people should care about. This didn't need the help. Most of them just don't need live viewership. They don't need live viewership and people were going to pay attention to this anyway. The one that felt the most strained was the... The karma is my boyfriend lyric. Karma's a relaxing thought. Aren't you envious that for you it's not? It doesn't roll off the tongue no. in a congressional hearing. It doesn't fit easily. If someone had done a really good job seamlessly weaving it in, you almost didn't realize it was a Taylor Swift lyric. <laughs> one person could have done it one time and done it well. 
everybody did it. Nobody did it well and everybody did it too much. I'm not fundamentally opposed to the idea of it happening, but nobody understood the fundamentals of comedy who was doing it. <laughs> no. It was like no. that was lost completely. No, absolutely. OK, I do need to. Mm -hmm. Can we end with someone who does understand the fundamentals of comedy? Yes. Boom. Yes. Um, <laughs> multiple listeners alerted us to a heartwarming gibbet story like mm -hmm. the mo if we were anti-gibbets at one point yeah. this, if I have ever turned a corner it is yeah. here so there's a now viral TikTok video and the Today Show explains the premise which mm -hmm. is that Liam Ryan who's 87 is seen excitedly presenting to each of his 11 grandchildren with a neatly wrapped gift it's clear that Ryan is expecting a big reaction and his family delivers. The kids, ages 4 through 28, erupt into laughter when they realize they've each received a pair of Crocs and a personalized charm with Ryan's face. It's really good. This man yeah. gave all of his grandchildren Crocs mm -hmm. and a gibbets of his, his face, face for Christmas. He needs to guest edit next year's Gift Guide <laughs> episode. He, he nailed it. He does. He understands gifting. He's doing really good it was really sweet so good so one of his granddaughters mm -hmm. posted a tiktok and has been trying to kind of make him a tiktok yeah. thing and it's working and he's getting like a kick out of this and he was recognized at the post office of course he was the absolute perfect place for this man to get he recognized was at the post office. like it's either that or the pharmacy like there's no <laughs> no better options it was really charming it also reminded me of this Wall Street Journal story that I found via Casey Lewis's wonderful after school net newsletter called when titled when grandma is a TikTok star and the grandkids are the managers, mm -hmm. which cited various other cases mm -hmm. of of such TikTok. I was stardom. really glad for this because I get served these people with some regularity and I'm always like you wanted the behind the, the scenes. I needed somebody to pull. The Give me the back. BTS. Yes, yes. I yeah. was so happy somebody did this article. Well, here's one example. Ms. Dolores Paulino likes to stay feisty on TikTok, a reminder of her younger days when she danced at social clubs. She gyrated against an oxygen tank in one video to announce she was home from a hospital stay. In another, she danced with a patio umbrella as if it were a stripper pole. It can take two hours to film one TikTok. She forgets her lines, Mr. Julian Giacobo says of his grandmother. I don't forget, Miss <laughs> Paulino shouts back, explaining that she starts and stops frequently to make sure she gets her lines right. I think he just said that to aggravate me. <laughs> I think he just said that to aggravate me yeah. is classic. 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 And it also just made me feel like you have multiple relatives, mm -hmm. but I think specifically your great Aunt Ruth would have been oh. like incredible on TikTok. She really would have been if she would have allowed it to happen, which she might have. Honestly, she did sort of feel at all times as if she deserved a bigger audience than she had. I also think if she thought there were sponsorship opportunities available to her, like mm. I think if she thought that Uggs or Sea Wonder Money were yes. in this, she would be God. all over it because she really felt like she discovered both of those brands. Well, I'm so glad she didn't live to see the day that Sea Wonder <laughs> went under. That would have been really hard for her as evidenced by how angry she was with all of us when she discovered Uggs and none of us had told her about them. None, no one had told her. She was, I think it was her 100th birthday that we took her out to lunch and she had glittery Uggs on her feet. And she was like, I don't understand why I haven't had these before. So I went back to listen to some old voicemails of hers when I saw your note about this and to try to, you know, conjure this alignment. <laughs> and that led me to voicemails from my grandma, Shirley, who I realized actually legitimately did want to be a social media star and had gone so far as to totally. open a Twitter account. And, and I think she did think of it as opening a Twitter account. Yeah. Like she put well, her shingle up. Yes. <laughs> and I had this incredible voicemail that I unearthed from her that was over a minute long. 
trying to understand how to actually use the Twitter account that she had opened. And I have to say, she had gotten here completely on her own. Like, I had not made the suggestion to her that she start a Twitter account or anything like that. She no, just did she it. was like, it's time. Yeah, it's yeah. time. We are going to play the voicemail yeah. as our outro to this episode. That's right. That's the show. Claire, it's Grandma Shirley. I just wanted to ask you, I mean, about the Twitter. I don't know how to put in a message or anything. I And I think I've forgotten my password. I mean, I put my username as Shirley Ackley, and I have my email there. And then all these people now are saying they're following me on Twitter. And I just wanted to say, well, maybe I walk four miles every morning, and then I do watercolors. And, uh, well, anyway, just call me back when you have time. Bye. This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.